are listening to the podcast for Nerdy Christians, where faith meets fandom. Welcome to the show for progressive followers of Jesus who also happen to love Hogwarts, Hobbits, and tearing down Mojo Dojo Casa Houses. This is Season 6, Episode 2, Barbie Land. I'm Ken, and I'm very happy to be sitting across the internet from Barbie. Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! <laughs> Hi, Carrie! Hi, hi, Adam. <laughs> How you doing? You are not a plastic doll and living in a fantasy world very reminiscent of my childhood. We are real human beings. Did you play with Barbies? Um, I had a lot of Barbies. The one time I played with them, I had a lot of weird Barbies eventually. Oh, so maybe really? This is a fun story to start Kate with. Ma- Kate McKinnon Barbies. Go ahead. I was a I was an early Barbie mutilator, which at the time was not an acceptable form of self-expression for a little girl. The most fun I ever had with my Barbies was when I mutilated them with my brother and his friends, painted them, cut their hair, lined them up in a ramp to run RC cars over. My mother, when she came home, was very upset. She said we weren't appreci I wasn't appreciating my toys that children somewhere else would be very grateful to have these toys. So she made us restore the Barbies with like turpentine, even though oh, wow. they were definitely officially now weird Barbies, use our allowance money to buy new Barbies to donate to the homeless shelter. And to this day, I still feel like that was an injustice because I i mean, I'm glad some kids got some Barbies, but that was the most fun I ever had with my Barbies. And now Barbie mutilation is an acceptable form of play and a self-expression among all users of Barbies. But no, I was I was somewhat into the dolls, but not as much. Gotcha. But this movie huh. that was quite did bring back a lot. Thank you. Wow. Yes. That was, it's, that was it's excellent. pivotal to my life, I think. I, I don't think I ever had a Barbie or a Ken. I, maybe there might have been one early on in my childhood that I don't remember. Um, but uh, it definitely wasn't a hallmark of my childhood. I was a Lego kid. Mm-hmm. And like exclusively a Lego kid. Um, yeah. I don't think I owned a doll of any type or a G.I. Joe or a Power Ranger toy or anything like that. I think I just asked for Lego sets. At, to this day. To this day. You're still getting <laughs> yes. Lego now sets. I, now I buy them for myself <laughs> because I am Lego's target audience. Somebody with I money. I found one of, one of the responses to this movie, people, especially men, going out and buying their first Barbie at the age of like 35 or 40 and finding that to be a very healing self, you know, moment of with themselves of like, I'm an adult, I have money and I've always wanted a Barbie, but I was never allowed to have one because I was a boy. Ah, yes. That concept of never allowed to have one is is going to be something we talk about today uh so let's let's jump in karen i didn't do a lot of talking about the barbie movie before this episode so this this is a good chance that this is going to be fairly rambly today but but i'm i'm excited to talk about it i saw the movie last week Uh, i went by myself uh to see the movie and there were these four women behind me who were definitely all moms who had just put their kids on the bus Oh, nice. And that was hilarious to sort of be in front of them while they took this movie in. Because uh, I was laughing uh, very hard the whole time, but they were all they were laughing. And it was interesting to hear how we were laughing at various different parts of the film. And I brought my husband to see this. And in a sold out theater, there was literally not a seat for me. They sold me a non-existent seat. We had to do some shuffling with empty seats. Um, it was wild to see a movie theater in 2023 packed, hmm. yeah, sold out, and lots of people wearing pink. So there you go. 
Well, our scripture quote today is from the gospel according to Luke. This is uh, from the story of uh, Jesus being at the home of Simon the Pharisee and a woman who the gospel identifies as a sinner comes into the home with uh, an alabaster jar of ointment. She cries on Jesus's feet. She wipes his his uh, her tears off with her hair and then anoints his feet with the ointment. Um, and Simon the Pharisee gets pretty upset by this. Jesus tells a parable uh, about forgiveness. And then he says, uh, and then the gospel says, then turning towards the woman, Jesus said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. And our nerd quotation is from towards the end of the movie when Gloria monologues at the various Barbies to snap them out of their thraldom to Ken. And this is what she says to writer Barbie. It is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart. And it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like we always have to be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. And the monologue continues from there for about four more paragraphs, but we're not going to read the entire yeah. thing here. All right, so when you were walking out of this the, the theater the first time you saw Barbie, what was like the the big banner headline in your mind? What was the the thing that was just popping out for you? Oh, patriarchy sucks. What was yours? Uh, yeah, I I left the theater trying to figure out what that experience, what the experience of watching this movie would be like as a woman. Because as I watched it as a man, I definitely gravitated to the Ken story mm. and knew that that was happening as I was watching it and trying mm -hmm. really hard to hold on to the Barbie story uh, while I'm watching it, because I know that this was that this movie was teaching me things and teaching every man that went to see it something. Um, and I thought it was incredibly well acted and it, it just a really interesting way that they, you know, they had the, the, the Barbie world looking all plastic in the real world. Um, it, it the, you know, just the, everything about the movie was so interesting. Um, mm -hmm. and I just really appreciate it as a film. I, I thought mm -hmm. it was very well done, especially for something that is in it from the, its beginning, a toy. And you know, it's one of these movies that comes right. out of being a toy. So it could be like a Transformers movie, which kind of stink. Um, or just an advertisement for yeah. Transformers. Yeah, exactly. But it's not. That's not what this movie is. And that's what made it so fascinating. I think so. Definitely visually, it's stunning. And as someone who did own Barbies, whether or not I mutilated them or not, um, seeing the various objects like the neon yellow roller skates, like I definitely had roller skating Barbie as a kid. <laughs> so so that there was some nostalgia and but most of my experience as a woman watching this movie was just, yep. Yeah. Okay. That was it. Just like, yep. Someone said it. That's it. It's literally impossible sometimes to be a woman. You got to be everything. Um, it it's a bunch of contradictions, and seeing seeing Barbie, stereotypical Barbie that is um, played by Margot Robbie, that Barbie embracing the complexity of being a human being was I think truly beautiful and a, a wonderfully emotional 
roller coaster to the end of seeing her choice to be a to become a human being. Her awakening to there is more than just saying hi to everybody all day and going to the beach comes because she is being played with by an adult. Right. And right, and an yeah. adult, an adult woman who is having complex thoughts mm-hmm. uh, of existential dread, of of meaning making in her life. You ever think about right? death? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um and and that's when Barbie's feet go flat. Uh, and she's, and she has that, she does, she says that question in the middle of the dance party and everybody stops and they're like, wait, what are you talking about? That's not how, that's not how you're supposed to play with us. That's going to disrupt our world. Um, and, and yet it's that disruption of recognizing that there is more, that there should be more to life. There should be more meaning making and uh, and in the end, it has to do with the fact that we're all going to die someday. And so let's make some meaning of our lives, um, that that's what sets Barbie off on her course, this desire to understand the complexity that she's starting to think about. That's right. Yeah. The er- like early scenes in Barbie land are so black and white. I love I love the opening scene, introducing all the different Barbies and their just complete and total belief in themselves. Like, yeah, I won this prize. I'm awesome. And they're they're very affirmative of one another and just owning their own greatness. And I think that, you know, when you're a little kid, if you're playing with Barbies or imagining your future, I want to be an astronaut or a marine biologist, it all seems so possible. And you don't yet have that complexity of self-doubt and possibility that we get as we grow up, especially I think in the preteen and teen years. And so the Barbie land is just anything's possible. It's simple. You know, writer Barbie is winning an award because she's great and that's all you need to know. And I think that kind of where we leave it at the end of the film is you want a balance between those two. You want the complexity, you want the embrace of mortality and finitude, but also there's something really beautiful about that certainty. I, I think the the idea of empowerment here is important because part of understanding that you can be something or do something is recognizing your own capacity to do it and recognizing that there that there is a path towards getting towards getting to that thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's one of the jokes about Ken once he discovers the world is that he wants to just go in and be a doctor, but then he realizes, wait, you have to go to medical school. You, you're not just going to let me operate on somebody because I'm a man. Right? I'm a man. Uh, so he he recognizes, wait, well, maybe this isn't as, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, that you, yes, that writer Barbie gets to be a writer. Um, and if you're writing in the real world, you have to write every day. You can't just, you know be a you can't just say you're a writer and not write um if you're going to be if you're going to be president barbie you know there's steps along the way to to get to that um and yet you can have that if you can't imagine yourself in that role then you're never going to go on that path and that's what the that's what barbie was designed to do that's what stereotypical barbie says to uh sasha you know uh, uh the the daughter um, who then lays into her about what Barbie actually did in a lot of ways, right? Um, in that scathing first monologue. Um, but but the idea of 
seeing yourself in a certain role. That's a lot of what this what this movie is about, right? Because one of the the challenges or or one of the um one of the ways that patriarchy has um uh, has narrowed the world is by keeping people from seeing themselves keeping women from seeing themselves in certain roles which they could easily be part of if if they were allowed to imagine themselves in them and one of the challenges i think of you know you have all these diverse barbies who are in in different occupations living different lives but then you get that complexity that gloria names as you get older that maybe not everything's possible so she you know she's designing barbies in her spare time but she has to work at this job at the desk and doesn't isn't able to express herself fully. Um, the complexity of life as an adult, and then especially as a woman trying to balance family and career and life and passions, isn't as simple as it, it as it looks in Barbie Land. And it's not to say that Barbie Land is a utopia. I think that's one of the main takeaways from the film that some people got wrong is that nowhere in the film is it said or implied that Barbie land is the ideal way to live. It's a fantasy land. It doesn't exist. It's, it's a, you know, little girls or I guess boys, who, whoever's playing with the Barbies imaginations of what, you know, if they played with these toys, what the world would look like. It's not meant to be a good, you know, a perfect place because there's a lot of injustice in Barbie land, even from the beginning when we when we go into barbie land at the beginning there is a hierarchy of specialness right within that society that barbie is more special than ken and ken is more special than alan right and everyone's of, more of, special than weird barbie and weird barbie she's the she's the pariah she's the the scapegoat right over there um and so we actually do barbie land is a hierarchical place uh, and so it actually is embracing some of the tenets of patriarchy, even though women are in charge. And that's one of the things about patriarchy that we have to be careful of. Um, it reminds me a little bit of our episode, was it last season, about droid rights, where oh, yeah. that the idea of uh, when you have a society that has um, a hierarchy in which there is a, a an oppressed class, mm -hmm. completely flipping that hierarchy so that the oppressed become the oppressors is not a solution, right? Right. And 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 in and in this movie, what we see by the end of it is that um, what we're what we're trying to reach for is not a place where there is patriarchy. Um, in other words, some sort of hierarchy with an oppressed class, but in, in a place where all people's dignity is respected and everybody can reach for the stars. Right. And it's kind of, I mean, it's like so much of the fiction we love. It's similar enough to our world that we can recognize patterns in it with, while being different enough to cause us some shock going, oh, the, the Kens exist for the enjoyment of the Barbies in Barbie land. You mm -hmm. know, they're going to they're going to beach. Yeah. That's we, gotta, it. we just got a beach. Um, they got and, a beach. They don't, they don't have writer Ken right. or president mm -hmm. Ken. They've got beach Ken. And Ken only has a good day if Barbie looks at him. That's right. right. So, so we have we, right there is this wonderful one sentence encapsulation of the male gaze flipped around. Right. And if it seems unfair, then that's, 
That's exactly what it is. That's, it's very unfair. That's that a man looking at that and going, wait, that's not fair. Yes. Stick with that. Feel that, you know, recognize it and go, mm-hmm. okay, this is what, this is what this movie is trying to teach, you know, a, a man watching this film. Um, Cause that, when I heard that line, I was like, ah, I'd heard it before, like just reading mm-hmm. some articles about it. But then when I heard it in the film, I was like, yes, okay, <laughs> this is, they're not being subtle here about what, what the filmmaker is trying to teach. No. And the whole, I mean, part of the the trajectory of the film, the the crisis that is in Barbie land is that while Barbie is out trying to find the person who's playing with her in order to restore herself and come to get back to normal, Ken has spent 20 minutes in the real world, discovered in the real world, men are at the top of the pyramid. He likes that idea. He's because he's been oppressed his whole life. And he brings that back to Barbie land. And because they have no defenses against patriarchy, it spreads like a disease. And he basically recreates Barbie land, but with the Kens on top and the Barbies serving them, existing for them in a maybe exact, well, definitely an exaggerated form of our own world. But that's, that's part of Ken's journey is basically recreating the systems of oppression in his own world, but with him on top and not really solving anything. And they call it the Kendom. The Kendom, yeah, that's the right. Kendom. Um, now, is he actually oppressed at the beginning of the story? That's a, that's my question. I think so. They don't have any seats in Congress. I think the, the fighting over the lack of self-fulfillment that Ken feels. I identify, I, I feel for Ken in the beginning. My heart was breaking for him. And for Alan, even though Alan's definitely the most, the one who's got it, him and Weird Barbie are the ones who kind of understand it the most. I think so too. And also Michael Cera and Kate McKinnon are just spectacular, brilliant actors. So they just do such a good job. Um, So I found the end of the movie when they do dismantle the patriarchy fascinating because Ken admits to Barbie um, that in that wonderful line, when I found out the patriarchy wasn't about horses, I lost interest anyway. Mm. And yet he still felt the need to perpetuate the patriarchy because that's what patriarchy is about. It's about perpetuating itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he kept doing it even after he'd lost interest in it. And then Will Ferrell says at some point at near the end, like, ah, I mean, sometimes I just sort of get sick and tired of being this like big, powerful guy in the boardroom. I just wish we could have a tickle fight. Or something to that effect, right? And and, and uh, he's basically playing the same character he plays in Zoolander. By the way, yes, absolutely. Um, but uh, and, and so both of those those lines remind me that patriarchy is shackling everybody, but it's shackling everybody to a ladder, mm-hmm. and that there are some people shackled higher up the ladder and some people shackled lower on the ladder. And those who are shackled higher up the ladder might not want to become unshackled because they're higher up the ladder, even though if we were all unshackled from it, life would be better for everybody. Right. And the way the way that so because the Barbies and the Kens have no defense, no natural defenses against this real world concept, um, this reversal of the state of being in their worlds, the way that they are unshackled from it is by introducing nuance and complexity to it. So the Barbies who were so happy to be serving the Kens are suddenly reminded of the fact that, no, they've got a complex situation too. It's hard to be in that position. 
and they kind of snap out and become co-conspirators in the liberation of the Barbies. And I think, I think the Barbies come to some conclusions. They're back in power at the end. Um, they're willing to give the Kens maybe one seat in their legislature. I think they kind of get there. But there's not a lot of answers for the Kens. And despite this movie being a Barbie movie about Barbie centering the experience of women, I got to admit, I'm super curious about what happens next with Ken. He's not he's not into, you know, there's, the patriarchy does not include horses necessarily. He's fallen from power, essentially. He's no longer on top. He's grieving his relationship with Barbie that it can't be what he wants it to be, you know, Um where I see love, she sees a friend. But then what happens next for him? He doesn't, we don't actually end up seeing what a matriarchy or what a healthy form of masculinity will look like. Hmm. That's why I want a Ken sequel. <laughs> I want Ken embracing the complexity and beauty of being a male in the world and finding, you know, his balance the way that Barbie does. That's interesting. And you just use the word matriarchy there too. And just want to make sure we all understand what we mean when we say matriarchy, because again, matriarchy is not just patriarchy with women in charge. A matriarchy is a, is a completely different concept in which there is a community based on collaboration and equality. I don't know. What, what do you think Barbie land looks like after, after the movie? Barbie goes to live in the real world. She has to go see an OBGYN, which is kind of the punchline final parting shot of the movie. Ken's still in Barbie land. Right, uh, President Barbie is back in power. What does it look like after? What have they learned from this? Or is it just that Barbie was able to embrace the complexity of being a woman, living life, the, all the contradictions in that, because she's the one who's being played with by an adult? The other ones are still maybe owned by children. Well, they did sell a huge number of Mojo Dojo Casa houses. That's true. During That's the time of, of the Kendom. And so I wonder if there are more boys playing with Barbie because of the Mojo mm. Dojo Casa houses. And if Barbie Land is based on the way children play with Barbie in the real world, then mm -hmm. perhaps if we have a wider array of experiences playing with Barbie by the end of the film... Perhaps Ooh. within the world of Barbie land, there is more complexity within the play and the way they live. And now if adults are going out and buying Barbies because either they weren't allowed to as a kid or they're rediscovering their love for what we have called in the past, like divine creativity and you know the beauty of childhood and the beauty of play. Maybe there's complexity being added because it's not just Gloria playing with a Barbie doll. It's all these new women and men and people who are exploring what they weren't able to have as children and bringing their adult experiences into their imaginative play. I like that. That's a really good way to, to, to think about how this might just, actually be. <laughs> I just thought about it right now. <laughs> I might go buy a Barbie yeah, and then run and her over with an RC what, car. That's what Mattel wants you to do. <laughs> that's right. When it comes, I mean, it's it's interesting because this is a film about toys. Yeah. And it will probably lead to more sales of those toys. And it's a very nuanced, as we've talked about, look into identity and society and womanhood and manhood and just general the struggles of being a human being in the world. 
Yeah, that's why that's what makes this movie so good. It's not that it's about a toy. It's that it's about ideas. And people are still going to buy the toys. Yes. <laughs> Let us not forget. What lessons have you taken away from this as a Jesus follower? As a nerdy Christian watching Barbie? Yeah, I, I, that's why I chose the quotation from the Gospel of Luke. I've always mm. loved the line when Jesus looks at Simon the Pharisee and he says, do you see this woman? Mm-hmm. Just that. I mean, the rest of the the rest of his dialogue there is wonderful. But just that one question, do you see this woman? Because within their society, it was very possible that Simon the Pharisee wouldn't have even looked at her or seen her or wanted to have anything to do with her because of the way that the hierarchy was set up. And it, Jesus says, look, here, here is this woman. She has inherent dignity. She is she is wanting to be in a relationship with me um and i am going to honor that desire um by seeing her by by being here with her in this moment uh and when you read the gospel you see jesus's interactions with women throughout the story and they're all nuanced and incredible um and it makes me i i i get i'm kind of amazed when i think about the world in which the gospel was written down, you know, a world that was very much steeped in um, patriarchy and uh, where women were second-class citizens. And yet in this story, how much of uh, Jesus empowering women and, and being with women and seeing them as full and essential, inherently dignified humans um, comes through in that story. Um, and that's, you know, so to, so to call Jesus a feminist um, is, I mean, it's, it's just an accurate statement. That doesn't mean he doesn't mm-hmm. like men. <laughs> that's not what that feminism, that's not what yeah. feminism is. Jesus invites us all to embrace the humanity that God grants us in all of our complexity um, and to then extend that, um, the belovedness that God has for that complexity to others. And um, that's what I see the people in this movie struggling with. Um, you know, when the Kens have their fight on the beach and then they go into that dance number and by the end of the dance number, they're all friends again uh, because they've recognized that they, you know, that we can be together in this. We don't have to, we don't have to fight. Um, I, I found that really kind of lovely that they're all holding hands, you know, and dancing um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Ryan Gosling and, and the guy from Shang-Chi are friends again. Uh, and I, I, I just love that. And so it really is about this, um, you know, recognizing essential dignity in all people and changing our society so that this, the systems that govern us also recognize that essential dignity. What about you? I, I think, well, definitely all of that. And what you had said earlier about Ken having a, one of the key lines of the film is like, Ken has a bad day if Barbie doesn't see him. So much of the way that we as followers of Jesus can model the behavior of, of him is to see one another. All those stories in the Bible of um, the, the, sin, you know, the quote, sinner woman kneeling at Jesus's feet, the woman at the well, the hemorrhaging woman, there's healing, there's miraculous acts, there's, com- there's, um, you know, cross-cultural conversation, but mostly it's just, he sees them. He takes the time to look at them as human beings. And 
as we navigate a complex world, learning that there's just, there's no such thing as a Barbie or a Ken. There's only people, individuals, and the best way we can honor one another is to treat one another as individuals with inherent worth and dignity, with complexity and contradictions and histories and feelings and hopes and aspirations, all of that, um, and see one another face-to-face the way that God sees each one of us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast for Nerdy Christians. Please give us a rating or review on your podcast app of choice so others can discover us too. You can find us at nerdychristians.com. You can also find all nine of Adam's fantasy novels on his website, adamthomas.net. Sign up for his bi-monthly author's newsletter to receive a free PDF of his novella, Highest Stakes, a memoir and manual about my life as a vampire hunter. And as always, you can find both of us right here on the next episode of the podcast for Nerdy Christians, where faith meets fandom. May God open your eyes to the sinful systems of the world that trap everyone in their shackling machinery. May God open your heart to the suffering of others. May God open your mind to new and collaborative ways of being that promote the dignity of all people. And may God grant you the strength, perseverance, and creativity to turn every Mojo Dojo Casa house into a dream house. Amen.